Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I am Joe, I am still your host. Tonight we're going to be joined by a pair of people. We've got, as per usual, Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. You can read him on my site, truckthoughts.com. You can also read him on Piston Powered. And also check out his YouTube channel, Koo's Ballroom. On my site, he just dropped the piece that is the love of his life. He had of a course. raging erection the entire time while writing it. It was an ode to Derrick Rose. I admit I'm a little bit ashamed to have that featured on my site, but I didn't actually, we never really gave him a chance to really go off about uh, Derrick Rose's big game on the pod, so I didn't have a whole lot of choice. Uh, also joined today, once again, same as yesterday, by Tyler Mormon. You can find him on Twitter, at TMormonNBA. Not Mormon, Morn. Is it? Fuck, I'm all messed up now. Yeah, it is Mormon. Sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. I'm, sure. I'm messing up. Oh, well. You can find Man on Twitter at TMormonNBA. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at Joe underscore truck. And Tyler writes for my site, Truck Thoughts, and that's now it. So, yeah, obviously tonight Pistons got a good win. Uh, 124-109 over the Atlanta Hawks. It was not that close for most of the game when the starters came out. They were up by, I believe they were up by over 30 when they all came out. So it was not that close. Uh, notable stat lines, Andre Drummond, 23 points, 11 assists, 4 blocks. Um, Reggie Bullock got 13 points, started to get going a little bit. Stanley Johnson with 22 points off the bench. Langston Galloway continued his effectiveness with 16 points off the bench. Um, other than that, just a pretty good spread out team effort. And for the Hawks, no one really did anything particularly remarkable. Uh, Mason Plumley or whichever Plumley led is, that might be Miles. That's probably Miles Plumley. He scored 14 on only eight shots. But other than that, not a whole lot remarkable. So we're going to dive straight into this. Ku, starting with you, general thoughts on the game tonight. Um, just real quick to talk about what Joe, uh, I just, I bought my piece that I just dropped. I have to get in there. But like Joe said, they, they, you know, Joe got me that one podcast with a good little slight. And then, you know, it's just a coincidence that, you know, then when he goes out there and he's proven them wrong, I just so haven't had to be quiet. But, you know, I just want to say that I'm taking shots. I I put the boxing gloves on. I took a bunch of shots at people in that article. So I'm sure you guys are going to want to see that. Well, back to the game. Um, you know, uh, obviously Stanley Johnson played extremely well off the bench. Um, I'm not going to go full into that because I'd like to save that for later when we talk more in depth about it. But Andy Drummond, another double-double. Blake Griffin, I think, was the key to the uh, the game. He didn't. He only had six points and two of ten shooting. But we ran everything through him. And I saw someone tweet that he's our best point guard since Chauncey Billups after this because he was just facilitating the whole offense. He had nine rebounds, two steals, uh, only one turnover. So, yeah, he was just controlling the whole offense, and he wasn't really looking for his own shot until, what, like the third quarter when he realized that he could have got triple-double. He started forcing it a little bit there, tried to get it. But he wasn't really looking for a shot early going. He was finding everybody else. And Reggie Bullock made an appearance, rose from the dead, and started hitting some shots. Uh, Along with Glenn Robinson, they both hit uh, five threes in between each other. And the Pistons on the night shot 20 of 47 from three. That's good for 43% from downtown. And I also, didn't we have, yeah, we had 30 assists too, so that's good, the ball move there. And, of course, you got to consider the fact that we played against the Atlanta Hawks, but still, 
instead of being in close games with teams that you shouldn't be in close games with, like we were with the Nets and the Bulls and et cetera, we went out there, put, uh, stepped on their throats and, you know, closed it out. Except at the end, the bench kind of, like, let it get a little closer than it should have been. But, yeah, we, we closed them out, made sure it wasn't close, and that's always a good thing to get. All right, Tyler, Tyler. you can, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, honestly, I think Koo rattled off just about everything you could say about the game. Um, just to echo on it, 30 assists, again, something that needed to be improved. And you could see it the moment they came out there from the beginning. Everyone was looking for that extra pass to find the open man, and it was just a thing of beauty to watch. And yet again, like Koo said, you can't forget it's the Hawks, but still – um, we mentioned this on yesterday's pod too. This is something where Detroit had to go out there and do what good teams are supposed to do and squash the poor teams in the bottom of them. So it was just good to see. And, and just to sort of tack on to that, and you guys both mentioned it now that, you know, this is the first really truly comfortable win the Pistons have had. And honestly, their last game against the Magic, it wasn't as big as this one, obviously, but also fairly comfortable at the end and it does sort of continue a trend so Koo the piece you wrote earlier in the year um you know what a week or so ago uh that's that's no longer yeah you don't have to you don't have to feel stupid anymore because the Pistons do continue to mostly take care of business against teams that they are pretty clearly better than they're six and five they blew one game against a Nets team that they probably shouldn't have lost to, but second night of a back-to-back, and they did take a game from a Sixers team that's probably better than they are. So, yeah, overall, they've mostly taken care of business against teams that they should beat, and their last two games are encouraging, and obviously neither the Magic or Hawks are good. They're both actually quite bad, but the Pistons won fairly comfortably against both of them, which is a positive, and... Tonight in particular in this game, uh, like you guys both mentioned, the ball movement was really good. The offense looked as good just about as it has looked all season. And one thing that does have to be mentioned with Blake Griffin's final stat line, that dude was hunting for a triple-double, like, (laughs) real bad. That That dude was a man who was walking into the bar... It was December 1, and he had successfully participated in No Nut November. Like, he was <laughs> he was thirsty for that triple-double. So that is worth mentioning in his six points, nine rebound, nine assist game. Like, he was getting visibly frustrated towards the end of the third quarter when, like, Jose Calderon stole a defensive rebound from oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was that just was like, like bruh, what, what, what are you doing, like, man? Yeah, so that was just... Yeah, just, I think part of it was he knew he wasn't going to get back in the game after the third because they were blowing him out, so he was trying to get it in the third quarter. Yeah, for sure. So, And it's funny because he started to look for his shot a little bit at that point because he's like, I better score some freaking points or I'm not going to get this. So it's just worth mentioning it was it was not just that the Hawks were sending double teams at him so he was able to pass out and they were succeeding. Uh, Blake very clearly was looking to pass for at least the entire first half of this game. Um, so even though he only scored six points, he didn't shoot very well, only two of ten from the field. But the main reason that he had so many assists as opposed to points is just because he basically decided, I'm going to pass the ball more tonight for 
probably just figured he didn't need to score that many points to beat the Hawks because the Hawks are bad, and he was right. And the offense looked great. Also, Reggie Jackson had the ball in his hands a little bit more early in the game, which is a trend from the last couple of games and a trend that I think all three of us are mostly fans of. We've all talked about Uh that a little bit over the past week or so. That that's a change we would have liked to see that Reggie Jackson have the ball more. And over the past three games, he's had the ball more, which is definitely a positive. And I think just because it was one of the bigger takeaways from the game, I know Ku wants to talk about it. Um, let's talk about Stanley Johnson. Once again, his stat line. <laughs> oh, Lord, what was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. He must be stopped. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Okay. That's me getting excited. <laughs> okay, final final stat line for Stanley Johnson in this game. Played 24 minutes off the bench, 22 points. Shot 8 of 16 from the field, 4 of 9 from three-point range. Um, I've tweeted this a couple of times. I think we talked about it a little bit on the pod yesterday, Tyler, although I don't remember for sure. So, people who've listened to the pod and or followed me and Ku on Twitter would know, um, I think it was actually before the season started, it was right at the end of preseason, you brought up, Ku, that you thought Stanley Johnson's shooting form had changed a little bit and improved, and also Halbridius got into it a little bit as well. Um, Yeah, we definitely talked about this last night too, Tyler. But, um, and I was a little bit like, yeah, I don't really see it. The past few games, I 100% see it. It's more compact. He's not doing nearly as much leg kicking and flailing or whatever. Once again, I'm not suggesting that it's necessarily going to have some radical impact on his shooting percentage from deep because just I will believe that Stanley Johnson has made a radical improvement on his deep shooting when I see it in the percentages over a large sample size. But it definitely does look better. I fully believe it. I fully see it. And I guess basically I've seen it enough to where it's like, okay, this is a real thing. And he shot four of nine from three in this game, which is obviously very, very good. Uh, Also had seven rebounds and a pair of assists just for good measure. So, Ku, I'm going to let you start with this one. Then, Tyler, you'll follow him up. Ku, talk about your boy, Stanley Johnson, that makes you giggle like a very small child. Now, the game started for Stanley. He missed, like, his first two threes. His first two shots were threes, and he missed the first two. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. I don't know if this is going to be a good game. But then he followed it up with his first, I believe his first three buckets were off him just uh, stealing the ball off an inbounds and taking it on a fan. No, his first two buckets came on him stealing the ball off an inbounds, taking it full court. And then the third one came on a fast break, and he got a layup. So that feel, I feel like that got him back into the groove of things. And then, of course, he started feeling his shot, started making some threes, which if Stanley Johnson starts hitting his threes, like I said this on I said this on the pod when me and Joe were ranting about Ish Smith being in overtime. But I said this on there, that if Stanley Johnson's bringing you something on offense and he, he's hitting his shot, I don't believe that there should be ever a time that he I, I would have him on – if he's bringing stuff offensively, he's feeling I'm having him on the court because then he's just a complete player. He's what you want because he's so good on defense. As soon as he starts bringing you something off and he's having that type of game, that he brings just tremendous value to your team. But, yeah, he played a tremendous game today off the bench in only 24 minutes. He made use of it. 
Um, like Joel said, 22 points, seven rebounds, two assists, three steals. Uh, I think this bench role is where he suited for this team. Like I said, I, I've said it before that I think on another team he'd probably be more useful to fit his uh, skill set and what he brings to the table. And maybe on another team he'd be able to start. But on this team, I see that the best spot for him is obviously coming off the bench where he can handle the ball more, get it more in transition, and do more things with it instead of in the starting lineup where he's just more uh, just spotting up with Blake and Reggie in the game. But, yeah, it was nice to see him go off, of course. You know, I was I had my Stanley Johnson uh, pajamas on along with my, my Stanley Johnson blanket on. You know, just watching the game, cheering over here. I, I needed a couple minutes after the game to, you know, get get my tears held back before we started this podcast. So, you know, but yeah, Stanley Johnson played a great game, fun to watch. And uh, I hope, I hope there's a little shooting. Cause he, put, he shot pretty well last game too from long distance. Yeah, so he did. I hope, it, I hope it continues. And it's, just, it's not just a little stretch that he has. It's actually improvement. He's getting back the, cause he said that he, sometimes he doesn't, he goes back to his old form. So hopefully he stays consistent with his form and it pays off for him in the long run. Tears wasn't the only liquid coming out of coup after this game. That's all I'll say about that. I think uh, it really goes back to kind of what I talked to you yesterday about Joe to where you could kind of see where Glenn Robinson and Stanley could form a really good yin and yang kind of deal at the small four position where Glenn was firing his shots. The offense was getting rolling and then Stanley got to come in and put the clamps down and he was getting the steals, getting the, and getting the breakaway points and, I think it really goes back to, again, he mentioned it tonight in the post-game interview before they just absolutely bombarded him with eight cups of water. Um, going back to having fun, um, once Stanley, you can see once he's out there and his mind is clear and he's not feeling like, oh, crap, I have to do something or I'm going to get yanked off the floor, and he's just playing his game, he looks a hell of a lot more comfortable, and I think that's when you start to see that compact shot that we were talking about that just looks so damn good. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and- Oh, real go quick, ahead, Joe. No, you go. Real, ahead. Just real quick. Um, our friend Sham, 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 God, you find him on Twitter at, uh, at Sham, Sham. We don't God. need to plug him. He's not on the pod. People know who <laughs> Sham is. No, I mean, I didn't want I'm saying some random name. I don't want them thinking this is some person off the side of the street that doesn't know what they're talking about. And he basically but, is a person off the side of the street, so. That's fair. And, you know, that's completely fair. Especially how he's treated me over the past exactly. two days. I hope he, he doesn't to deserve show. your plug. Don't go follow yeah. him. Yeah, not but, deserving. Yes, yeah, so but he tweeted during the game that um, you know after he missed those first two shots and he took one like long two in the ISO situation, he tweeted that you know Stan Stan Van Gundy probably would have yanked him right there or like kind of destroyed his confidence after that. Maybe would have sat him down, yelled out. He wouldn't have opened up the rest of the game. That, and then that, that pointed out what Casey does for him, that after something like that, he continues to have the confidence. Casey encourages him to keep going, and that allows him to have a game like this, even though he started off rough with the first two shots missing. So that I know me and Joe talked about this beforehand, and Joe was like, well, you know, it, it looks better when he makes the shots, and that's not Casey isn't going to fix Stanley Johnson, which I've agreed with him now after seeing a couple games. But this is definitely one of those scenarios that Casey helps a person like Stanley Johnson continue to have confidence in a game after uh, a slow start. I mean, I I still don't really buy into that whole yeah, narrative. Joe doesn't have to buy into it. Well, Joe does, it's Joe not, is just a pessimist. Okay, you people act like he pulled Stanley Johnson left and right. Like, 
I mean, what Joe, Dwayne I mean, Casey has yanked yeah, around Stanley Johnson in Stanley Johnson's minutes so far this year. Yeah, but he did the same thing to Luke, too, man. He yeah. yanked Luke prematurely quite a bit last year. Yeah, well, Dwayne Casey has done the exact same thing for both guys so far this season. He's yanked them around with their minutes. So, I mean, I just, I think that's not really a terribly well-founded thing. I'm just, no, I'm going to continue to say that. Yourself, you pointed out yourself that Casey is someone that people like. He's going to be more relaxable. You think well, after you think after that shot, Stanley shot. You think Stan would have been over there just chilling with his arms crossed, saying, clapping his hands. You don't, or you're gonna think we're gonna be hearing him through our TV. Stanley, <laughs> Stanley, <laughs> Rod Stanley. On that step back ISO on Plumley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was like all here. Stanley's feeling himself tonight already. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just, I. It works better when he hits the shots. Like, if he goes 0 for 9 from 3 in this game, guess what? We're not talking about confidence. We're talking about how Stanley Johnson can't shoot for a lick. So, that's just that's just the reality. But, one thing that is definitely true, I think that, and this is something we've talked about before, but I do kind of like the dynamic of Stanley coming off the bench for various reasons. Uh and the the term I've often used for him is sort of being a bench mob Ben Simmons, although Stanley Johnson's already a better shooter than Ben Simmons is because he's not a coward. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I just, I do like that. The main thing is that Stanley Johnson is going to remain almost certainly at his best when he's getting out into transition and playing with the bench and playing less minutes in particular you know, it's almost like with Ish Smith, where a lot of his effectiveness comes from his ability to just get out and run and just be faster and more energetic than everybody else every minute he's on the floor. And then, obviously, when you play fewer minutes, that makes it a lot more plausible to be more energetic than everybody while you're on the floor. So, when Stanley Johnson only plays, what do he play tonight? 24, right? Yeah, 24. Uh-huh. Yeah, so when he plays 24 minutes... It's much easier for him to just go out there and play balls to the walls every single minute of the game. He can go and play way up on guys and steal. I think he stole three inbounds passes in this game, right? Uh, uh-huh. So just yeah. and he can do that. He can just run in transition every chance he gets because he doesn't have to worry about conserving himself a whole bunch. Um, and then obviously, if he's hitting threes, that's a game changer for him because he normally has been not just not a good shooter. He's been an absolutely terrible shooter so far in his career. So, you know, even if it's not, because I would be shocked if he became anything even approaching league average from deep, but even if he got to the point where he's hitting like 33% from deep, people still wouldn't really guard him out there, but at least he would hit enough to where it's not a totally lost possession every time he shoots a three. So, yeah, I think there's... I like the dynamic of him coming off the bench. I still worry about this team's ability to defend with him not in the starting lineup, but I do like the dynamic of him coming off the bench. And also, and you really did see it in this game, the benefit of having Glenn Robinson next to Reggie Bullock in the starting lineup is obvious. Just the spacing that's provided. Um, I was actually pretty impressed by Glenn Robinson's vision in this game. He was pretty willing and able to be a ball mover, not that he was making super impressive passes, but he was pretty good at keeping the ball sort of ping-ponging along, so to speak. So, yeah, I just, you can see it. I'm still worried about how they're going to defend without Stanley Johnson in the starting lineup. But 
you definitely can see the dynamic at play, and it's a good dynamic with Glenn in the starting lineup and Stanley coming off the bench. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if either of you guys have anything else you want to say about that, but you can. Just welcome back, Reggie Bullock. Uh, It was good to see the shots falling. He seemed a lot more confident in his shots. Had a couple nice pull-ups off the screen. Um, uh, It's just good to see him be back to himself from last year. I know it's only one game, but this one game was a sight to see after the beginning of the year for sure. He looks a lot more healthy too. Yeah, he was going to – He was just like Langston Galloway, this is what the third or fourth straight game that he's really been on. Uh, Me and Koo have talked about this in the past, which is – when Langston Galloway starts to hit some of his shots, we're all going to be awful thankful he's on the team. And he starts hitting the shots, and suddenly he he's awesome. So Galloway is different because he's much more of a streaky shooter than Bullock is. But, yeah, so Bullock was going to start hitting shots at some point. They're just He's too good of a shooter to not. And like you said, it's just it's great to see him hit some shots. Hopefully this is a sign that he's going to be out of, you know, out of whatever funk he was in. And he can be the guy that we know he's capable of from here on out because that's a big benefit to the offense. And in particular, it's going to help Blake Griffin a whole lot because Blake loves to play that two-man game with Bullock. So if Bullock is hitting his shots, then that's going to make it easier for Blake to turn those into buckets for himself as well. So, Koo, do you have anything else you want to add on to that? Stanley Johnson is awesome. (laughs) That's it? That's all you have to say? Just Stanley Johnson's awesome? Yep. Okay. Um, other things from this game that I suppose one thing we should talk about is um, just because a couple of different people on Pistons Twitter brought it up. So Blake Griffin, obviously, and I touched, we touched on this earlier. He was really not looking to score, and the thing that's interesting is that he was so clearly not looking to score, and yet the Pistons' offense looked as good as it has all season. Um, once again, Ku, you can start, and Tyler, you can follow him up. Sort of, do you think that there's any sort of wider idea there at play that perhaps going forwards, maybe he should look to be, obviously not as extreme as tonight, but maybe going forward, Blake should look to be a passer more and that the Pistons should maybe design the offense to do more sort of, not necessarily just trying to get Blake good scoring looks, but to try and use, leverage Blake's passing instead to get other guys' looks. So just do you think that that's something that that, could be a trend going forward, or was it just, no, the Hawks are not very good, Blake decided to pass tonight for whatever reason, and that's that. So, go ahead, Koo. Nope, it was the Hawks. We're playing the Atlanta Hawks, that's why. Um, obviously, you don't want Blake taking 40 shots tonight or something. And I think he's done a pretty good job already throughout the season of trying to like mix up his scoring with his passing and try to facilitate the offense. Obviously tonight, like Joe said, it was extreme, but I don't think that it's going. It's I don't think it's going to be like this. I don't think it should be to where Blake is just strictly looking to facilitate or or close to as extreme as this is. Because if you've watched the Pistons this year, a lot of these games that we've played, we were only either close in one or only lost by a little bit because Blake was going crazy offensively. Now Reggie Bullock. Wasn't hitting. Um, Langston was off, so I mean that may have something to do. With maybe them hitting their shots now will help, obviously. But I'm not ready to go on to this whole. Like I, I think that Blake's done a pretty good job already, just with mixing it up and making sure not to go too far one end. I think he went too far over to facilitating role this end tonight. Uh, 
but I don't think I think he's done a good job mixing it up. I don't think it should be like any like concerted effort to change things up to, like too bad. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're playing the Atlanta Hawks. I'd like to see us play like the ball. Like Joe, you said before that we started the podcast, like. Yeah, it's the it's the Atlanta Hawks. So let's see what happens when people are going to be saying, "Oh, what happened to the ball movement?" When we go against a team like Golden State Warriors. Well, you know, the Atlanta Hawks aren't on the floor. That's what happened. So, yeah. like, I I understand that we looked really good tonight. It was really good to see that we looked good with Blake not trying to score so much. But it's the Atlanta Hawks. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. That's yeah. where I stand. I'm reminded of a great quote by Charles Barkley from a couple of years back. I think this was like three years ago. And it was, well, it was funny because for some reason, Charles Barkley was the color commentator on a game and it was between the Knicks and the Nets and <laughs> the Nets were winning. And I don't even remember who was doing play by play, but he was like, man, Charles, the, the Nets are, they're starting to look, they're looking about as good as I have all year. And Charles Barkley's just like, well, that's because they're playing the Knicks, man. <laughs> and it's, it's the same sort of a thing where I, yeah, I mean, the Hawks have not been, I mean, even though they were tonight, the Hawks, like me, I told Tyler on the podcast last night, even though it didn't end up coming true, the Hawks are not, like, complete and utter pushovers. They're fairly well coached, and they mostly try hard. But, clearly, they're not a good team. I mean, there's only so far you can get by trying hard. So, yeah, Tyler, do you think that there's anything larger to the notion of, you know, Blake Griffin trying to be more of a facilitator, or do you think that's not a thing at all? Um, I mean, honestly, I think Blake isn't looking to play those 50-point games like he was earlier, shooting a bunch. I think it's a matter of our offense clicking and our and our shooters hitting shots, and I think you will see a lot more of this distributor Blake. But like Ku said, not to the extreme of where he's not trying to shoot at all. Um, but I, I do think that he enjoys playing the point forward role to an extent. And I think, like Casey has said quite a few times in post-game interviews, that's what he wants the most out of Blake is that point forward role. Well, we've actually, I know that I brought this up with Koo at least once right at the start of the season, I think, which is that um, Blake Griffin is almost like, um, he's. there's an extent to which he's almost like LeBron is in this way, in which Blake Griffin is not, He he really is a passer first. Like, he's a facilitator first. He prefers to be a passer and a facilitator and such. Just, he's so comically good that he scores a lot of points. He's also, he's almost like Neymar in soccer. Where it's like, Neymar's not actually a goal scorer at heart. Like, his the true sort of spirit of his game is as a facilitator and a playmaker. Just, he's so stupidly good that he scores a lot of goals too. And Blake Griffin is kind of like that. So, one thing that I do think, I, I pretty much agree with both of you guys that you know, it was mostly just this kind of how it is on this game. He wasn't going to lead the league in scoring, obviously, which he was after the first, like, five or six games of the season. And that obviously was not going to continue all year. But um, the one thing that is worth noting is that teams have definitely started to pay more attention to him defensively. And teams are going to continue to try and take the ball out of his hands. So there is an extent to which... Um, what's the best way to put it? There's an extent to which he will be forced into being more of a playmaker and passer going forward, I think, just because he's pr- he proved in the first few games of the season that if you just let him go one-on-one against guys, he's going to torch you. 
Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to throw extra stuff at him, or he will torch you. So, yeah, I think going forward, he will have to be at least a little bit more of a passer than he was in the first few games. But other than that, I am pretty much with both of you guys. I don't think that there is some, you know, some wider truth to be found from this game that, you know, oh, well, they should be, Blake should be, really be going past first and going forward and really just trying to set up his teammates and such because that's just against better defenses and the Hawks, that's just, that's not going to fly. You've got to be able to, he's going to have to go and get some tough buckets at times because against good dialed in defenses, they're not going to be as, you know, (laughs) it's not going to be as simple as pass the ball out and make one more or two more sort of, you know, ping pong passes around the perimeter and you've got a wide open shooter. That's not going to be the case against most good defenses. In which case, in those situations, Blake Griffin's going to have to be able to just do his thing and go get buckets. So, yeah, I think we're all mostly on the same page there. Um, let me see a second. I'm I'm hope I'm trying to get the NBA stats page to refresh with the Pistons, including this game, it still hasn't. Because the Pistons' defensive efficiency had climbed all the way up to 10th in the NBA before this game, and I'm curious where it's at now. Obviously, it'll be a little bit skewed from the way the game ended because, once again, it was not as close as it ended up being. But what do you guys think of the defensive progression of the team? They clearly have improved from the first few games of the season. Uh, but what do you guys think about that? Who you can start? Um, one of the things I've noticed, and it's one of the things that Joe has commented on, that he's been very – he didn't like it at all to start the season. Something that he thought the case he should maybe look at what SVG did last year and maybe use it was Andre being more aggressive on defense. And while he's not up on the pick and rolls like he was with Stan Van Gundy, I have seen him be more aggressive, handsy-wise with like the steals and picking the pockets and – you know, deflecting passes. And also, he's been really better at protecting the rim. I don't know if his blocks are up. I believe, like, yesterday I saw that he was, what, averaging 1.3 blocks a game, I believe. But he was he's not racking up a ton of blocks, but he's doing a much, much better job at contesting shots at the rim, letting people know he's there. And I think that's doing a major part in helping this defense get better. I, I mean, I don't really see anything else, else perimeter-wise. I mean, I see that we're forcing – I saw the stat today on the Pistons uh, – on the broadcast, we're allowing 68% at the rim. And then everywhere outside of that, I think it's under 30%. So it's like, we're doing a good job at, at, you know, now allowing the shoot a good percentage on threes. But I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with Andre's improved play at rim protecting. I mean, I don't really see anything different from the, I, I still think Blake Griffin's clothes are terrible. I mean, I, I don't think that, anything I don't really see a much big of a difference between anything besides Andre's uh improved rim protection as of late along with his uh how well he's been playing like in the passing lanes and stuff I think that uh, that uh, going down the drum and improved and I think that a lot, a lot of that goes back to his intensity where in his earlier years when things would start to slip away you could almost honestly just see Dre like playing dejectedly body language wasn't looking good but it seems like I don't know if it's because Blake is there now and Blake kind of gets him going we lost him again oh boy um I'm I don't want to cut it again so we'll see up oh, he's back Tyler you back now 
Dude, I don't know what's happening. Just it go. Just, keeps... just keep going. We're not. I'm not gonna cut this one. Just keep going right on what you were saying. Um. Yeah, I think it, it just goes back to his intensity and where Blake might fire him up more, seeing that he's got another top tier big man. And to me from I really liked where he sent Trey Young pack in there in the beginning and looked him right in the face and was chirping at him like you got to do better than that. I think that's. I wonder if we just lost him again. I'm here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Some technical issues with Discord where we're recording, but I'm I we cut out a couple earlier. I'm not going to bother with that one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not as much energy with Andre. I think he was the first few games of the season. He was pretty clearly he was not a hundred percent sure or confident in the scheme as far as where he was supposed to sort of be. He was either, he was dropping too far back early in the season, I think. Or, and we still are early in the season. In the first few yeah. games. And and I think, who to be fair, I did say this at the start of the season, that even though I don't like this schematically, as they get more comfortable in it, in it, it will look better. And it is starting yeah. to yield better results as Andre has gotten more comfortable. And one thing that should be noted is, as you mentioned, Ku, um, he has been a little bit more adventurous at, you know, stepping up onto ball handlers and such, which mm-hmm. is, that's the main thing that I wanted to see more of. And the main reason why I wasn't a fan of the dropping so far back. So as long as I don't mind so much, they don't have to be as aggressive as Dan Van Gundy led him last year, but I really hope that that continues as a trend that, you know, whether maybe maybe Dwayne Casey been telling him to do that the whole time and Andre Drummond just wasn't doing it the first few games. But whoever's making that decision, I hope that they continue to make that decision to let, even if it's not as aggressive as last year, which it clearly isn't going to be, that Andre Drummond is able to sort of go out and take swipes at ball handlers and such. Because I think, first off, he's really good at it. He gets lots of steals. He gets lots of deflections. And also, I think, as a sort of additional benefit of it I think that it helps keep him engaged and sort of helps to keep him really playing hard and focused which is a good thing as well um you know this is kind of a smaller thing and on a different topic also admittedly but um (laughs) I think there's not anybody I've seen before who is so stupidly good at rebounding as Andre Drummond is or even close who is so incredibly unselfish about getting rebounds um, I tweeted about it a couple of times in this game, but like he truthfully, he does not seem to care whether or not he gets very many defensive rebounds. Like he's totally fine with other people just getting them, and he runs up the floor. And that's one of the things that's really remarkable about him. Do you, either of you guys see that? Yeah, he yeah, could, I, I he saw it. A, go ahead. He could go get a twenty twenty damn near every night, honestly, if he really, really wanted to. Kind of like what you were tweeting, Joe. Like, please be more jealous or selfish with the defensive rebounds because he was just giving them to everybody. But he could get a 20-20 damn near every night. I think I saw a stat in the Magic game. He has three or four first-half double-doubles, which is just already insane. So, it, it, Andre Drummond, best rebounder of all time. I'm saying it. Um, And just, yeah, I mean, I saw it again tonight. I think sometimes he does get into uh, just snatching a lot of boards. Uh. On, on the defensive re- on the defensive glass, but yeah, definitely tonight you saw a lot that he wasn't really too concerned about it. 
But um, I want to get back at what Joe was talking about and, and Andre's defense. So, like, the problem, right, was last year with the aggressive play on the pick and roll was that it led to a lot of corner threes. Because if you play that high on the pick and roll, then they just drop it off to the roll man. And if the roll man's a really good passer, the guy who rotates up on him, if he's a good passer, he's just going to hit the corner. And it led to a lot of corner threes. So that was the downfall of it. Pretty much the trade-off was Andre so good and so fast with his hands that he's going to get steals and you're going to make it uncomfortable for opposing point guards to make that pass to the roll man or turn it over. And the trade-off is, okay, well, if it doesn't work, then sometimes you're going to give up an occasional open three in the corner, which is the easiest shot or the best shot that you know people want to take. So that was the trade-off there. I feel like, obviously, the Pistons have done a better job, obviously, this year, and the numbers support it, that uh, defending the three-point line. And that has to do with the fact that Casey's not playing as aggressive as Stan Van Gundy did on the pick and rolls. But as Joe said, and as I said earlier, Andre has been playing a little bit more, and it probably does have a lot to do with him just getting more comfortable with the system. Or maybe he just wasn't comprehending exactly what Casey wanted to do. Because I don't know if that was really part of the plan to have him sagging back so far into the paint on the pick and rolls. But he's obviously getting more comfortable. And while he's not as high up and aggressive as he was with Van Gundy, he's he's now getting a little bit more aggressive with it to where he's playing both the role man and the pick and roll player. And he's so good with his hands that he's still able to cause havoc with it. And I think that's what's causing a lot of the Pistons uh, defensive comebacks and uh, how well they're playing on that in the court. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about compared to last year's, obviously, yeah, they did have a tendency to give up open corner threes, particularly against teams with big men that could really pass. And, and once again, I think that I've been fairly straightforward with this, that there's definitely good logic to the defensive scheme that Dwayne Casey has been using, um, for sure. Oh, did we just lose time? Yeah, when he comes back in, we'll just let him come back in. But there's definitely good logic to... We're just going to keep going, Tyler. Um, there's definitely good logic to the way that Dwayne Casey is having them play defense. Um my main gripe is just I want Andre Drummond to be more aggressive attacking ball handlers because he's really good at it. And once again, whether it's a decision Dwayne Casey made or if it's simply Andre Drummond getting comfortable enough to where he's you know willing to step out a little bit further, um, I'm much more okay with how it's been the last couple of games. And it's not just because the results have been better. It's because I want Andre Drummond stepping out onto guys a little bit more. And he's been comfortable doing that, and the rest of it is held together as well. So uh, if this is the way that it continues to be, they could get to a pretty good level defensively, which would be pretty impressive, quite frankly, because they don't have a lot of high-level defenders on the roster. And, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that's. I think... Uh, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, never mind. Don't go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> Um, I'll go ahead and say something real quick. I, we talked about it before the season that, you know, when we were talking about the starting lineups, that uh, who should start at the wing positions. And I had Stanley Johnson because of the defensive worries. And I believe a lot of people either had Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock or Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock. Let me, let me stop pronouncing his name wrong. And Glenn Robinson at the wings. And my concern was, you know, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Andre to defend the rim. If you're going to have a team like that so bad on the perimeter, you're going to pretty much say, well, Andre, we're going to need you to be Dwight Howard in the Orlando Magic to keep this defense afloat. And while he hasn't been Dwight Howard, of course, that's, that's 
he's nowhere near that. He's been pretty good, and that's like I said, I've said uh, multiple times. That's keeping the defense together, and that's helping the defense. The fact that Andre's been able to play so well at the rim—that's that's making up for a lot of the dribble penetration that's been allowed. Hey Tyler, go ahead and try and say what you were going to say before. Well, I just thought I was. There's a couple of really good examples on what you guys are saying on how. Dre's been attacking the picks a lot better and stepping out on defenders or shooters, I should say. When in the beginning of the game, they tried hitting a pick and pop a few times with Alex Len in the corner. And each time, Dre was right there stepping out and getting into his face. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Alex Len, not a particularly threatening shooter. But yeah, I think as a team, they're starting to get more comfortable with the, with the defensive scheme. And you're seeing good results from it all. And it's a credit to Andre Drummond that he's get, he looks so comfortable already just 10 games, 11 games now, 11 games into the season because early on in his career, sort of grasping schemes and you know playing smart has been a big problem for him in the past. So for him to sort of start to get it this quickly into the season is really a credit to him. Um, we are far enough in at this point, and in particular with the technical difficulties, I think we can probably start to wrap up. Um, we'll, so we'll just give each of you guys a chance. Any sort of last thoughts on anything you wanted to hit on? Ku, you go first. Um, uh, not, I mean, I, we talked about pretty much everything. Just I'm going to plug my stuff real quick again. You can find me at Kukahil MBA on Twitter. Go ahead and find me writing at Piston Powered, and you can find me at Drill Site Truck Thoughts, where I just put up a piece on Derrick Rose and his story this season. Go ahead and check that out. Um, you can also find me on my YouTube at uh, Coos Ballroom. I just put out a video uh, this week about uh, Derrick Rose as well. I'll be coming out with another video soon about the Lions and the Pistons. And, yeah, we had a pretty good game today. It was a good game, and hopefully we just continue it. And, you know, I'm going to hope that Stanley Johnson continues to play well off the bench because, you know, a good Stanley Johnson is a happy Cooper heel. So that's always a good thing. Um, the only other thing that I would say, kind of an oddball point, but um, hopefully, especially when Luke Jose Calderon's minutes out, um, I don't think he's awful, but I definitely don't think he's a solid contending team backup point guard. And I think he got 22 minutes again tonight. I think it kind of goes back to the Toronto connection that they've had um, when Casey coached Calderon there for a while, but still take some of those minutes away but other than that i'm happy with what we've done as a team so far this season and yeah that's about it all right um yeah i pretty much i agree with the jose calderon thing i've actually been not unimpressed by the way he's looked so far this season he looks like he at least has something left in the tank but i do agree with you tyler that once once luke Kennard is healthy calderon's minute should pretty much be gone at that point i would say also worth noting that a reason, one of the reasons he played so many minutes is because he played all of the garbage time, and there was quite a bit of that in this game. Um, and then last thing, remember, um, first off, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And second off, remember that um, all three of us here are part of this. Um, we're doing a giveaway. Follow us on Twitter, retweet stories, and you could get a $20 gift card to Green Dot Stables in Detroit and their new location in Lansing. Um, the other guy to follow would be John Zuck, who also writes on at Truck Thoughts. Um, he's at John Zuck B-Ball on Twitter. So do that, win a gift card. If no one does it, then we get to keep them ourselves, I suppose, which I don't think any of us would care. 
but we'll, we, we, we don't want to have to do that, though. We want to give them away because that's the point. So, yeah, I mean, good win, good way to get back above 500, I think. And, yeah, so I think we'll wrap up with that. Stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.